a Chinese app uh, that hosts more than 750 million users a month, has been hacking into users' cell phone security to monitor activities on other apps, check notifications, read private messages, and change settings. And once it's installed into your phone, it's really tough tough to remove. So how, how far does this spread? How many other apps are potentially doing this? And what app is this? Are you at risk right now? We're going to get into it right now with our, our first guest of the day, a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute and former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. Charles Burton is joining the show. Charles, good afternoon. Thanks so much for being here. Good to speak with you, Chelsea. It's good to talk about this, and I suppose clarify what exactly is going on. Not good that this is uh, that this is happening, although I don't know that it's really altogether that surprising. We're talking about an app that's called Pin Pinduo Duo. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, and this is something that a lot of people are using. Can you speak to to what this is and what other companies that might be more familiar to our listeners are are on this app? Well, I mean, this is a shopping app, and it's related to the Temu app that's getting so much uh, uh, play because they're offering stuff really cheap. Mm-hmm. I think the gist of it is, you know, if you're going to download any app from China, whether it's uh, this Pinduoduo or TikTok, you know, they're going to try and suck out the data out of your out of your phone and put it into these massive databases that the Chinese regime seems to want to accumulate on as many people on the planet as possible. You know, the earlier time when they downloaded 26 million U.S. um, government personnel records was just the beginning. With this kind of stuff, they can find out an awful lot about people, cross-reference, find out people that might be amenable to approach, you know, people working maybe in sensitive military areas who have, I don't know, gambling debts and 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 something other stuff that they don't wouldn't want to make public. Mm. In other words, they they do an enormous harvest, as you say. We're talking 750 million um, users of this app whose phones have been completely compromised by that regime. And out of that, they'll be able to find a few people that they can make use of either now or in the future. So it is scary stuff, and I don't think it's necessarily just about China. But it seems that China's seeing this as like the next step in their overall global hybrid war, hybrid war type strategy. And I don't know how we can really avoid it. I mean, you know, what young person doesn't love TikTok? Right. Right. I mean, and whether it's TikTok or whether it's this shopping app that hosts uh, this this site that's called Timu, um, or maybe it's maybe it's other sites as well that maybe people here are a little bit more familiar with, like uh, like Shine or Fashion Nova that a lot of people use. Is it safe to assume that all of these are doing something similar, where they're just taking your data and harvesting it, and we're just have, having to accept that that's par for the course? Well, I you know it is troubling because they can know you better than you know yourself, or know your your vulnerabilities better than then you might recognize. So, you know, you sort of think like, oh, who cares? I'm just an ordinary person. So they have my data. They have my contact list. They have my, you know, my 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 um, DMs to my mom, that kind of thing. What mm-hmm. does it matter? But actually, if you put a lot of this stuff together, they may be able to get something on you and you could find yourself in a situation where you're you're compromised and end up doing something positive for China that ultimately threatens um, Canada. So 
you know, I, I do think it is a concern. I, I don't know how we avoid it um, because, you know, how can you not be online and how can you not be using apps to do things? And so much of this stuff ultimately seems to, to be used by hostile governments to to gain advantage. And I mean, China is the main one, but, you know, we also have to worry about other non-democratic governments like Iran or or Russia, who, you know, also see advantage in in engaging in this kind of gray area because after all when you know when you download those apps you click on the permissions for them to help themselves to everything on your phone you know it's not you don't have to download the app and you don't have to click on those permissions but people i think just do it without thinking well and i wonder if because people do consent when they download and they do agree to the terms and, and um and conditions i mean is there any recourse does a consumer have any power over a company doing this to them I mean, so far, I, I, you know, we're not going to be able to get the Chinese regime. The Chinese government consistently denies that they do anything like this. But we do know that they have these People's Liberation Army massive hacking operations out of Shanghai that, you know, are are able to consolidate these massive, massive, massive amounts of data and make use of it. Just, you know, maybe not as much use of it now as they may be able to make later as the technology continues to develop. But I, you know, I, this, I mean, you know, what, when, when you're subject to blackmail or, or someone approaches you because they've, they've figured out that, you know, you've got a gambling problem and need some money and also work for a military contractor, you know, what, call up the RCMP and tell them that there's not much that they're going to be able to do for you. Right, right. It feels like there's just absolutely no recourse. And the boldness always surprises me with <laughs> with trying to take data or I guess taking data from 750 million users a month. And that's just on this one app, let alone right. uh, the fact that then there's TikTok and then there's the conversation that we had about surveillance balloons in February. I, there's just, I, I think, so much strength that they show and seem to just take whatever it is that they want. I want you to speak to that just a little bit about China's competitive competitiveness to to get ahead and just gather whatever it is that they that they want to seem to take. Uh, but we do just have to take a little break, Charles. So we'll come right back into it. Charles Burton is a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute and a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. We're talking about China using apps to spy on users and and doing a whole host of other things as well. Chelsea. Chad continues in three minutes. We're talking about China using apps to spy on users. Probably not going to come as much of a surprise to you, uh, but one of China's most popular shopping apps that sells clothes, groceries, and just about everything else under the sun to more than 750 million users a month has now been found to be spying on those same users. So it can it can bypass cell phone security and it can monitor activities on other apps, check notifications, read private messages, and change settings. We're discussing it right now with uh, Charles Burton, who's a senior fellow with the McDonald Laurier Institute and former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. Charles, thanks so much for sticking around on hold. I really appreciate your time. It's great to talk about this. You know, you were talking about the balloons and, you know, this really is about China being more or less shameless in our way. It's mm-hmm. all hiding in plain sight. And I mean, that balloon, you know, we just found out from from reports that it was, in fact, uh, gathering intelligence. No surprise. I mean, weather balloon that's 200 uh, meters tall and has a payload equivalent to two uh, school buses hanging from it. You know, it was doing donuts in the air, zero weights around nuclear sites, military sites, and then 
when they figured out the Americans were getting serious about it, they sort of tried to step on the gas and get it across the eastern coast to America. And then, you know, when the United States shoots it down over U.S. territorial waters off the Carolinas, the Chinese complain that, you know, they want compensation for the destruction of Chinese property. You know, it just the whole thing is just is just insane in terms of how little we seem to 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 take this kind of stuff seriously and just blow it off. And the Chinese take full advantage of our open and, you know, I guess sort of lackadaisical attitude towards larger issues of security and and how we can prevent Chinese malign activities from interfering with our democracy, security, and sovereignty. And the fact that we can't really do anything about it, because you're absolutely right what you're describing, too. The spin is unbelievable. I mean, you shoot this thing down, and then China gets mad for for us taking down their equipment that they're using to spy with. I mean, it's almost, it would be laughable if it wasn't so so scary. I mean, we're so afraid, I think, to do anything because we don't know exactly what's in China's arsenal. And so we seem to be, in, at least in the Western part of the world, just kind of sitting ducks for information to be gathered and just sort of take take what you want. And it seems that there's always these new stories, whether it's an app or there's TikTok and how widespread that is, or those surveillance balloons. I mean, are we just sort of helpless to their their brazenness? Well, you know, I mean, there's some things here. I mean, for example, the number of Chinese diplomats in Canada is 146. These are people with diplomatic passports and protection compared to um, 46 for Japan, 35 for India, and 23 for the United Kingdom. Why is it that we allow China to have so many diplomats? Obviously, you know, they don't need that many people to perform normal diplomatic functions. Their immigration section is is um, um, contracted out to non-diplomats. And so a lot of those people, I think one can safely assume, are involved in this kind of espionage and influence operations and kind of stuff we've seen with the elections and so on. Why do we allow that many diplomats to be here? I'm sure that there aren't anything like 146 Canadian diplomats in China. You know, how did we get in the situation where we let them operate in this kind of way and not, and not you know, assert ourselves a bit and say, we're just not going to let those people that are involved in this kind of activity remain in our country. You know, just we'll just reduce your diplomatic cohort to the number of people that are legitimately performing diplomatic functions. And the rest of them and agents of China and Canada who don't have diplomatic protection should be identified and brought before a court of law. You know, like, why aren't we doing this? It just it's just completely puzzling as to as to how we let this happen completely in plain sight and not and not take any action to protect our our Canadian values and and, you know, people in Canada of Chinese origin who are being menaced and harassed by agents of that regime. So, Charles, what do you think is the ultimate goal here then? I mean, if we sort of continue and, and maintain status quo, where do you think this this leads us? What information do you think China then gathers to bring us to some some sense of a boiling point? Well, I think, you know, certainly I think there are a lot of concerns about people who are influential in Canada's policy process who are receiving benefits from a foreign state, mostly from China. And it's been very hard for our government to come get it together to, to have a Foreign Influence Transparency Scheme Act that would require people to publicly declare if they're recipients of benefits from a foreign state. I mean, we don't want people who are in government to be thinking, well, if I, um, you know, if I just 
take it easy on China and don't do anything that will get them upset after retirement, you know, there are going to be many opportunities available to me and law firms or Chinese-related businesses. You know, we've got to get to the bottom of this. And I frankly don't see any reason why people who are in positions of influence in Canada should be allowed to secretly be receiving benefits from a foreign country that naturally expects to get something back for that investment but you know so far we're just not we're just not engaging in in the kind of political action that we need we need we need that law we need to clear up what foreign interference is and we need legislation in that regard the government has been advised on this but isn't moving on it and we need to clear up our CSIS Act so that CSIS can provide information that they know about Chinese malign activities to the RCMP so the RCMP can pursue cases and, you know, bring people to be accountable before a, a Canadian court. But puzzlingly, you know, all of these things are recommended by our security and intelligence agencies, but the government just seems to, you know, put them in a back of a filing cabinet and forget about them and nothing happens. And then more stories like this one, of course, come out. Charles, I want to just go back to the app that uh, that kind of launched this whole conversation between between us. And it's uh, it's obviously one that's been using uh, its users' data for something. It's been spying on them and collecting an awful lot of it. Uh, I just want to clarify, if you install security software on your phone, would, would an app like this, a shopping app, still be able to gather your information? Or would that offer you any sort of protection? I'm just trying to think of what people can maybe do today. I don't think I don't think you have any recourse against this kind of app. And obviously, Pinduoduo, you know, is a very attractive um, online shopping application. It offers stuff, you know, cheaper than elsewhere. But the cost is that you're selling out your your information to, you know, a hostile power. I think that's the bottom line. But I don't think that any of us have the capacity to to be able to counter what these apps do. The best thing is if you've got Pinduoduo on your phone junk the phone and get a new one. Wow. Okay, Charles, thank you so much for your time and great perspective this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Great to speak with you, Chelsea. Thanks. That's Charles Burton, Senior Fellow at the McDonald-Laurier Institute and former Counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing.